The cannabis industry is growing almost as fast as the cannabis and hemp being planted and harvested. Where, when, and how fast will the cannabis and hemp industries continue to climb? Who will be the people leading the charge into that promised land of profit? Let's pursue those answers and more with The Plant Profits, powered by Protus Global. Here is your host of Plant Profits, Bert Miller. Welcome to Plant Profits, powered by Protus Global, a people solutions business. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Vern Davis. My next guest uh, with us today is Tim Keogh, president and CEO of American. Has been described as a forward-thinking entrepreneur in this new cannabis landscape. Tim offers a unique combination of firsthand experience in the cannabis industry from licensing to operations in numerous states, and an extensive background in real estate development. He's a director of one of 15 provisionally registered marijuana dispensaries in Massachusetts. He's a board member of the Cannabis Producers Association of New England, and an active member and invited speaker for the National Cannabis Industry Association. Welcome, Tim. How are you? I'm doing great, Vern. Thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. Excited to give you guys an update on what's happening in Massachusetts with American. Oh, I'd love to hear all about it. Why don't, why don't uh, we first start, man, with telling us about what's happening with cannabis in Massachusetts. It seems like every day I read something. Yeah, certainly. It's, um, you know, from our perspective, and I think from a lot of people's perspectives, it's arguably one of the most exciting markets in the United States. Um, it's also one of the slowest markets to roll out, uh, which has uh, created some of the uh, bottleneck and, and maybe some of the news. But, you know, fundamentally, you know, we've got a medical program that's been in place since uh, sure. approved in 2012, uh, operational since 2015, and an adult use marketplace that has just completed its first full year of adult use sales. Um, and, you know, the, the numbers are in. Uh, you know, we've got f- over 50, almost 60 medical dispensaries. Uh, we're approaching 40 adult use uh, storefronts. You know, the adult use market last year did close to $400 million in revenue. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, adults over 21 years of age uh, purchased $400 million worth of cannabis and you know, we were looking at starting out with two storefronts, now ramping up to, you know, 35, getting close to 40. Um, you know, so it's a, a it's an exciting market. There's a lot of growth left. You know, we're still in the early stages of uh, rolling out this program. But, you know, from a market standpoint, uh, you've got 7 million people here in the Commonwealth. You've got 50 million people within a four-hour drive time of the state. And it uh, turns out that people... Uh, People really like cannabis. Yeah, that's that's great. I'm in Boston a lot and uh, a, a lot. In fact, during uh, college football season, I'm in there a lot. Um, but um, and I've, maybe, I've maybe, seen maybe it by your next trip. We'll have a dispensary in Boston for you right now. Yeah, it is. And I hear a lot of complaining about that when I'm in Boston, by the way. Yeah, um, a lot of complaining about it. So. Yeah, it does. Um, Boston Magazine referred to you as a classic tale of a local boy makes good. Why don't, why don't you talk to us about you a little bit and, 
and 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 let the audience audience get to know you a little bit. Sure. You know, I'm a I'm a cranky Yankee by birth. <laughs> uh, I grew up in Massachusetts, down here in the South Coast, which is different than the South Shore. South Shore is a, a plaza by Boston. Uh, South Coast is a stretch of Massachusetts that runs between uh, basically Providence and the Cape Cod. Uh, my father, uh, you know, worked at a boatyard. My mother worked at UMass Dartmouth, and I got involved uh, when the uh, waterfront space. So I started working for a harbor master. Started working for a marina management company, and got involved in real estate development. That's great. That's great. Now, what led you to the to the marina aspect of your your career? So I, I grew up around boats. Grew up around the water. Uh, during college, I worked for a harbor master, uh, so we had a, a fleet of boats, and we were uh, patrolling 24 miles of shoreline. And, and that's when I realized that you know if I could somehow combine a career um, uh, with the waterfront, it'd be a, a, a nice combination of two things that I was passionate about: one, business; uh, the other one being uh, in, around, and near the water in boats. So. I graduated from college and I went to a small school down in Maryland. It's called Mount St. Mary's. And I took a liberal arts business degree up to Boston and no one knew where that school was. You know, it's, (laughs) uh, you know, there's 400 colleges within the greater Boston area. We've never (laughs) heard of this one. Uh, So I I started expanding my search and found a, a company that managed marinas and sent my resume in, got a call back the next day, uh, had a phone interview, and then a week later, they said, well, have you ever, ever thought about living on an island? And I said, uh, uh, no, but I'm not opposed to it. Uh, and then I was flying down mm-hmm. to St. Thomas. So went down to the Virgin Islands, um, got a job, got involved with a management training program uh, right out of college, and that marina was managed by the management company. Uh, did two years down in St. Thomas and then moved back up to uh, South Florida. Uh, they had a, a basically a consulting vision, consulting division that was dormant. And I stepped into that and we started designing and then developing marinas and waterfront properties. So I did that for about eight years. Wow. That's great. Good to hear, man. That's uh, that was interesting about your background and, and how did that all lead to, and how did you get in, introduced to the cannabis space? Sure. Yeah. So it's actually my former boss down in St. Thomas uh, was coming up to Florida for chemo. So she okay. was uh, fighting cancer, uh, coming to the facilities and the infrastructure that was in South Florida. And uh, that was the first time where you know, I sat next to someone and really kind of felt helpless and powerless. Sure. You know, she was just saying, like, this is miserable. This is horrible. And at one point, you know, we were just kind of hanging out. And she said, you know, I'd try anything. Go get me some weed. And it was, kind of, it was, it was kind of a joke, but it kind of wasn't. And I thought, well, you know, geez, if, if I had some place to go, you know, I'd, I'd absolutely. Like, I'd be there in a second. But. I didn't, and I didn't. I didn't trust the, you know, what could be purchased on the street. I wasn't, you know, I didn't want to compromise her immune system, and so right. I had this really powerful, helpless feeling. 
and then flash forward about a year and a half later, and I'm back up in New England, and uh, I, I reconnect with a friend of mine from high school. I tell him what I'm doing, and he tells me, well, I'm involved in the medical marijuana program in Rhode Island. And I said, hmm. I don't even know what that, that means, but like, show me. Um, and so that was pretty early. That was 2010, 2011. Wow. That's a long time. And so that experience with your former boss really made an impression on you to the point where when your friend from Boston tells you about his plan, that you actually connected the dots and got excited about it. Yeah. And, it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't an industry back then. You know, it was right. for me, it was advocacy. And if, if I could uh, get involved and participate and help uh, someone that would be in my shoes, uh, have safe access to clean product, um, like that was what it was all about. And to a large degree, that's what it's still all about. It's just gotten uh, a lot bigger. Uh, you know, so at the time, uh, it wasn't like, hey, there's this great business opportunity. Let me get involved. And, you know, it was I was going down to the state house in Rhode Island. I was testifying. I was you know, communicating with the elected officials, reviewing the regulations, working with the patient advocacy groups, and sure. trying, to, trying to preserve the medical program that was there and then make it better. Um, and we did that for two years. And Massachusetts had a ballot initiative. And I said, well, let's go try and get a license. You know, but let's, let's stop right there. Yeah, I think sure. that's a good place for us to stop. We're going to take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about that journey when you had that idea to go get that license. We'll continue our discussion with Tim Keogh, the president and CEO of American. That's American with two N's. When we come back from our short stay and our short break, we'll continue with Tim. Thank you. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Let me welcome Nick Hexum from 311. We've never heard things like your music when it first came out. It's like to mix the reggae with the punk and all of that together was just such an unusual sound and, and we loved it. We realized we're not going to copy what's on the radio. At the time, it was all grunge at, that was on the radio. And I said, let's just stick to what we know and wait for a culture to come around to us. Hey, it's Nick Hexum from 311, and you're listening to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 
garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more on the cutting edge of cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The Cutting Edge of Cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company. The Plant Profits are back to lead the pursuit of the promised land of plant profit. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. We're here with American President and CEO Tim Keogh. And that is spelled American with two N's. American. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for being here today. And again, uh, we're going to pick up where we left off, where you and your partner were uh, about to apply for a medical marijuana license. Take it from there. So in 2012, we hired legal counsel to assist us uh, in understanding what the ballot initiative was laying out for Massachusetts. Um, we then engaged a government affairs team in early 2013 because you know we spent very little time in Boston and certainly even less time in the state house. Um, so we, we really were looking for some support on how to navigate the big city, you know, from a, a South Coast perspective. Um, you know, so that was important for us. Uh, and then started pulling together a team. And we were targeting the South Coast, the area that we grew up in. Uh, we pulled together uh, a good team. And we applied for the license in the early round. So this is 2013, uh, November and we dropped off a complete application. So letters of support, the lease, the property, uh, $500,000 in a checking account. You know, it was a, it was a big lift. Um, I think 180 applicants initially applied and then only um, around 90 actually made it to the finish line. Um, and in February of 14, the state uh, decided to award about 21 licenses, um, but then they invited eight companies to reapply. And so BASC, which is the, the licensee, that uh, was Coastal Compassion at the time, uh, was in this, this on the bubble, is what we said. So we didn't win and we didn't lose. Uh, we didn't really have any clear direction on what the process was for the application process. So we kind of just hung tight. And in June, they, they opened up a, a short, two-month application process. Uh, we were able to put together uh, a competitive application during that, filed that in August. Uh, we're granted a provisional license in November of 14. So oh, it was, um, you know, a, again, a confusing time. I think the regulators were still figuring stuff out. The applicants were figuring things out. And, um, but, you know, we were fortunate enough to, to really get across that finish line and, and end up securing you know, one of the first uh, uh, 16 licenses that were granted in the Commonwealth. Um, it was that winter when we were out looking for capital um, to, to build out infrastructure that I was introduced to uh, Ben Barton. And Ben Barton was the, or is the 
founder of American. Uh, and so in my pursuit of, of capital for infrastructure, um, Ben had started American and was pulling it together to provide capital and expertise to, to licensed operators. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we go back to the, the hair club for men, you know, so not only am I a president, you know, I was <laughs> also a client and yeah. Yeah. So, so during that, go ahead. So is that, is that what Basque, take us back a little bit and, and, sure. and dive into Basque and, and just make sure we have clear understanding what Basque is because Basque uh, is important to understand how American it all fits. Yeah, certainly. So Basque, uh, is a is a licensed operator, vertically integrated operator that has a cultivation, processing, and dispensing facility in Fairhaven. So Basque is, you know, has an independent board of directors, you know, has its own staff. It was a nonprofit. It's now converted over to a for-profit. Um, and so Basque is a basically an entirely separate entity. It is an entirely separate entity from American. So Basque right now is, is serving medical patients. They received okay. a provisional license for cultivation and processing um, at our at Americans facility in Freetown. Um, and they're in the process of a change of location from Fairhaven to Freetown with their medical license. Um, and, and into that building, you know, American is essentially the landlord and, and Basque is the tenant. And that's the extent of the relationship between the two parties. Got it. Now take us to your connection and how you, you started the interaction with Ben. Sure. Sure. So it's actually in between um, filing the application in November and receiving notification from the cannabis control commission, or sorry, the department of public health um, in, in February of 14, we actually went out to Denver and there was a um, kind of a, an extract event that uh, the Basque, some of the Basque team members attended. I attended as well, um, but I was there more for for due diligence. You know, wanted to see some dispensaries. They were weeks away from launching their adult use program, so it was obviously an exciting time. Um, and that interaction led to my introduction to Ben Barton, who lives in Denver um, and was was putting together American. Um, and again, Ben's background from a, um, as an entrepreneur was focused on the capital markets and public companies. And so he had put together American into a public vehicle, um, and was, was moving it forward to, you know, launch and go raise capital and, um, initially provide loans and infrastructure to licensed operators. You know, we've since, um, evolved with the industry with that business model, but, if you go back to 2013 and 14, um, you know, being an ancillary company had real benefit. Um, it, it's less less clear now that um, being ancillary really inures any benefit beyond uh, uh, optics. Got it. Got it. So there goes American was born. And now, now when did Ben ask you to become part of this? Well, you know, I, as soon as I heard about the business model, I was yeah. very intrigued. Um, I have a background in real estate development, and I had then spent two years essentially in the application process and, and really, you know, kind of nerding out on cannabis and cannabis advocacy. Uh, and then obviously looking at the, the financial opportunity with 
Um, and so when he was laying out his business model and I was kind of volleying back, you know, questions and thoughts and ideas about, you know, what I would look for as an operator um, and that what I saw as the opportunity, particularly in Massachusetts, which was a lack of infrastructure, um, that's what led to the uh, eventual offer to, to come join the team and step in as the, the CEO and, and help, uh, you know, captain the ship through, uh, through the early, early days. No, that's, that's, that's clear. That is uh, absolutely clear. So take us through American, how it began and now what it is. And, and that, and that whole journey that you and Ben taken this, this business. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we started out in Colorado and we're, we're focused on um, participating in the Colorado market. So we, uh, deployed uh, a million dollar loan to uh, build out a 15,000 square foot indoor cultivation and processing facility. Okay. Um, and, and we refer to our, our, the companies that we work with, we refer to them as our, our partners. So our, our, what we refer to say is our, they're our preferred partner um, because we're more than just at that time a lender. Um, and, and now we're, we're more than just a landlord. Um, because of our, our focus on you know, bringing in best practices from outside of cannabis into the industry. And whether that's business expertise, real estate development expertise, uh, traditional horticultural practices, uh, lean manufacturing practices, so kind of factory design. Um, and we worked with a, a licensed operator out there. It was a, a three-year partnership. Um, okay. we, we learned a lot. You know, we were um, 2014, we were building out a facility. It was completed by the end of the year, uh, and they started cultivating and, and bringing products to market. Uh, so we were able to see kind of you know what the market demands were, and you know we we had some some skin in the game. And yeah, one one, one big takeaway, one lesson that we learned was you, know, you can only make an indoor cultivation facility so efficient. You can only do so much, right? You can bring in. Uh, irrigation systems and work on workflow and uh, process flow. But at the end of the day, you've got to have your lights on for 12 to 20 hours a day. You've got to pump in air conditioning, dehumidification, CO2, and they become like these rocket ships that are really expensive to build and then also really expensive to operate. And so that led us to, down the path towards the greenhouse model um, which is, is what we're, we're implementing now. Yeah. So as I understand it, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you you operated in the early stages like an incubator. You know, I, I would say somewhat. Um, I, I think if, if we look at what we did in Colorado, it was certainly a, a hands-on due diligence um, endeavor. And we were, we were initially looking to just partner with licensed operators. So we wanted to find, you know, kind of best in class operators, provide them with capital and then provide them with support that you might not get if you were just one single operator in one market, right? Because there's, there's this, there was, and there, there continues to be this trend, which is, you know, if I can just get involved with cannabis, right? Well, why do I need to bring in a lean manufacturing expert that's going to help me save two or 3% uh, labor costs or five or 10% uh, 
you know, if I can grow it for, you know, 12 or $1,500 a pound and I can sell it for three or four or $5,000 a pound, like, you know, what's someone going to tell me uh, about how to run my business? Um, and, and it's also, it was challenging because people, it's, it's very intense, right? It's a very, very intense business with compliance and regulations and growing plants that it's also hard to pick your head up and look around and say like, you know, could we be doing this better? Um, so without the financial incentive to say, could we be doing this better? And with the intensity of the workload, um, we saw an opportunity to come in and, and kind of be that uh, downward field looking company um, that could provide capital, but then could also um, provide, provide support more so than you could if you were just one group or one company trying to run a business. We'll continue our discussion. We're going to take a break now. We're talking with Tim Keogh, the president and CEO of American. It's American with two N's. When we come back from our short break, stay with us. Thank you. Plant profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crap, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. The plant profits are back to lead the pursuit of the promised land of plant profit. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. We're here with American President and CEO Tim Keogh. That's American with two N's. The CEO Tim Keogh is spending some time with us today and uh, we're having some fun. He's taking us through how American actually came to be and how he got there. We've uh, just completed uh, in the last session uh, discussion about the early stages and 
the early days and how it evolved, uh, beginning uh, in Colorado. And now, Tim, I'd like to move into where we are now with American and what your mission is moving forward and what you guys are doing, and also talk about American brands. So uh, why don't we do that? Why don't you get us started there? Yeah, sure thing. So, you know, again, I think one of the big lessons we learned in Colorado was, you know, that the indoor model uh, was not the path forward. Um, but, but that's when we started digging into the, the greenhouse um, approach. Mm-hmm. And so what we have today is a 50-acre parcel of land in Massachusetts uh, that's been designed and permitted for 987,000 square feet. And so you kind of have to say, well, all right, you've got a million square feet in Massachusetts. How do we get there? Um, you know, we were looking for a property that we could get into. I knew personally the bottlenecks at the local level in Massachusetts. And that's one of the biggest barriers right now for, you know, why there's only 30 or 40 storefronts is uh, local support is, was such a huge component. Um, and I personally spent a lot of time uh, working through the whole South Coast community during the application process with Basque um, and came across this 50-acre parcel that had buy-right zoning on it. Um, and the town of Freetown, in its infinite wisdom, decided to, uh, rather than put a ban or a moratorium in place, put zoning in place onto uh, the industrial park. Uh, and it's there was one parcel in the industrial park, and it was 50 acres, and that gave us the, the flexibility to to look at a project that could be developed in phases that could be leased out to, to multiple operators. Um, and that's been the plan since day one. So this, okay. this kind of uh, million square foot building that, you know, has been talked about for a while, you know, I, I think it's been kind of looked at in the wrong way in that we see it as, you know, a, a very efficient way to put in infrastructure. Uh, we've got all the support at the local level the host community agreement that we have in place is a real competitive advantage. Um, you know, we, we negotiated a, a dollar a square foot uh, versus any kind of percentage of revenue or percentage of gross. Uh, so, you know, we, we created basically a big playground um, and there's only so much that any one entity can do. So we've got the first building complete. It's a 30,000 square foot cultivation and product manufacturing building. Uh, It's a 10,000 square foot of warehouse space on 20,000 square feet of greenhouse that's been designed from the ground up, right? So everything is where it should be. And we've been able to take our team and the whole approach and lay it out. And and so when you walk through and you you get a tour or you're you're a staff and you're walking or you're working in the facility, everything just kind of flows through, right? We're we're not crossing over each other. when you're working with renovating existing buildings, you end up making a lot of sacrifices. Okay. There's a, there's a bathroom in the middle of the building. Well, we're going to work around <laughs> that or the loading dock is over here. Okay. Well, let's work on how to you know utilize that existing loading dock. And, and, and so this was one, it was a lot of fun uh, going through that design process. Um, it, it, it took a lot of uh, brain work, you know, to try and figure out uh, you know, how to make this thing work. And it was something that didn't exist. And now it does. But, you know, there wasn't a model, you know, like you know, how to build a greenhouse for cannabis for dummies that you could just go pick up off the shelf and, um, you know, run with it. 
you know, we had to do a lot of customization, you know, bring in a lot of technology from outside of cannabis, and, uh, lay this out. And so that, so that's the, the canopy system. Um, and it's in place now with, with building one, um, okay. Basque is the licensed operator that will uh, be growing and processing building one, utilizing our system. Um, and then we're on to building two. Um, so building two, we've got a buildable envelope of 345,000 square feet. Um, but we've carved that up into to kind of two sub buildings, uh, building uh, two and building three. So building two has uh, uh, the capacity for 100,000 square feet of flowering canopy, uh, which is the max allowed under the Cannabis Control Commission's rules. Um, and then it has the ability for 70,000 square feet of uh, warehouse space for product manufacturing, administration, support, trimming, drying, all the things that need to happen in a warehouse for a cultivation facility. Um, well, I, that, that, now this is all part of uh, MCC, right? Massachusetts Cannabis Center that you're building? Yep. Yes. And that, I think that's a, that's a big, big deal. We have a couple minutes. I want to spend just a little time and give you some opportunity to talk about your business. Now, you guys are a publicly traded company and uh, you're a B Corp, correct? So we, we met the uh, requirements and, and filed yeah. um, as one of the first cannabis companies to receive B Corp certification. Um, they have changed their policy since our approval. Uh, and because of the adult use passing in Massachusetts, um, we, we've had to uh, uh, part ways with B Corp. But all Got of the, the, the policies and it's, it's built into the DNA of the company. That's uh, right. Just, no, that's 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 really good. So. What are some, if you had to list one of your major federal and local challenges, uh, what would that be? You know, I, I think the biggest barrier for the industry right now still remains the stigma around it. Um, so, you know, the removing the stigma or decreasing the stigma or showing what a responsible cannabis company um, is and what it can be uh, will help move legislation forward. Right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Like, we can't just ask like, hey, like, let's go with a legalization program. But if we can show elected officials, community members, civic organizations like this is what we're talking about, we're talking about tightly regulated. We're talking about professional. This is going to be safe right. product. Your communities are going to be safe because people are still freaked out by this plan. It, yeah. It, yeah, that is, that is true, and that's very that's very evident in Massachusetts. I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very evident. So, Tim, one thing you would like to communicate and leave with our audience today, what would that be? Yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, we've we've been on a, a journey with the Massachusetts Cannabis Center. Um, it's a nice way to end 2019 with you know the building complete, um, and you know we should be you know kind of weeks or days or weeks away from having plants in the building. Um, that will be the first real significant revenue coming back to American. And so I, I think as a, an opportunity moving into 2020, you know, ACAN is our stock symbol. Uh, put it in your, your phone, uh, the story, and it's going to be an exciting year. No, thank you very much. We have had a great time today spending time and talking about American and the entire journey. Uh, 
from working on the marina docks all the way to president and CEO of American. Uh, it's American with two ends, Mr. Tim Keo. Tim, thank you very much. Appreciate you joining us. Love to have you back at some point. Absolutely. Thanks, Vern. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Thank you all for joining us. You can download episodes of Plant Profits by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Follow Protus Global, People Solutions through our networks, including LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Finally, learn more about how we are building companies and changing lives at ProtusGlobal.com. That's P-R-O-T-I-S global.com. Until next time, this is your host, Vern Davis. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.